Well, hello there, and welcome to the Things to Realize podcast. This is a podcast based on, loosely based on, my weekly Substack uh, newsletter. And uh, where my initial intention was to do the podcast and read out the uh, week before's newsletter. And um, as I do that, I think, you know, the voice is different from from reading. So I'm going to definitely touch upon the newsletters, but also it will be some riffing in there as well. And I have a backlog of newsletters to record. I haven't been as diligent at doing my my podcast as I have been with the writing. My priority, to be honest with you, is getting newsletter done and done weekly. That's the uh, task I gave myself and the deadline I gave myself was to get the newsletter out Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, I've only missed that twice. And I wrote about that. But basically, I want to do the podcast based on the newsletters. I'll be reading through newsletters where it makes sense, uh, you know, being true to the text, but also riffing where I need to. And I will add some commentary as I go along. It's been what I've been doing, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, some of the newsletters I haven't done are pretty much a number of them since April. And so I wanted to catch up and uh, start with a couple. And so uh, the one I was planning on skipping actually was the Song of the Queen Bee, mainly because that is about the poem, Song of the Queen Bee by E.B. White, which is one of my favorite poems of all time. And the timing of it is interesting to me, as I'll, I'll read about in a moment or two, but the timing of it being released in, into the New Yorker magazine in the December 15th edition, 1945, made it an interesting point in time. There was a gap between the end of World War II, which was August of 45, and the beginning of the Cold War era. It actually, that was the beginning of the Cold War era with uh, the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, and, of course, atom bombs. And then we also had, uh, it was the very beginning of the baby boomer generation, which was in January of 1946. So this was two weeks before baby boomers were born, and about a couple months after, about four months after the bombing, you know, the end of World War II and the beginning of the atomic era. And this poem is so specific to that time in some ways, but also timeless in that it talks about the hubris of humanity, and especially back then. I mean, if you look at what happened with the atom bomb and the race and getting to the hydrogen bomb and doing above air testing and, you know, having people, you know, show up with sunglasses on, you know, as if it was some kind of spectacle. Meanwhile, they're being rained on by fallout uh, and dust and things like that. There have been people who were born in that era who had irreparable radiation damage from the fallout. Uh, Soldiers were thrown into, you know, nuclear blast zones soon after the blast cleared out, and they got, you know, this amazing cancers and things like that. And you can say, well, we didn't know, but there was two factors there. Yeah, I think they knew a bit, but also we were dealing with, you know, a crazy, you know, the new power, right? The Stalin, the Russia, the Soviet Union, 
which was hell-bent and taking over things as well. I mean, it was a strange period. I'm, I was born in 1960, so this is 15 years before I was born. And uh, one of my first memories, I think, is around, I'm not sure if it was uh, Kennedy being shot or if it was us being worried about um, either Bay of Pigs or um, the nuclear uh missiles, the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, there was a lot of interesting, I mean, I, I was a baby, right, but I could still remember things, and there was, I could feel the tension sometimes, I lived in Washington, D.C., or we did back in the day, and uh, so it was embedded upon me, and I mentioned that, too, I was talking about uh, Dylan last week, where uh, some of the first songs I heard were anti-war songs, and also being afraid of nuclear war. <laughs> and, you know, so it was embedded in me as a child. I'm not sure how other people of, of my era, of my generation, Gen, you know, Gen Zone, the Jones, Generation Jones, that the latter half with the boomers, you know, how they felt about that if they were embedded and worried about that like I was or not. I don't know, but I do know one thing. I would, you know, the nuclear shadow was over me. I could remember thinking, looking up on a beautiful day and going, you know I, you know what, I wonder if the missiles are coming. You know, it would be a perfect day to have missiles coming in from across the dew line, you know, and I know what a dew line is. It was just one of those things where, you know, the duck and cover, I was too young for the duck and cover drills, um, but I heard about them and the music was there and we had, it was interesting. And so this to me, uh, first of all, is such a great poem about just uh, just youth, un unbridled youth, uh, and sexual awakening, and being completely shameless in a good way. I mean, being completely like, who cares what you think? I am what I am. I'm a young girl, and I'm going to go up and do what I want to do, and you can't tell me what to do, you mansplaining, white-coated person. Um it was good. It's a very good poem. So anyway, I was not going to read it because it's not the voice of a 60-plus-year-old man. But I was dared into it, so I'm going to do it, and we'll see how it comes out. And that's a long preamble to the newsletter. And the newsletter is, of course, Song of the Queen Bee. It came out in on May 9th, uh, 2023, so about a month ago. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading it. So... I'm going to skip the quote because that's actually from the poem itself. Uh, so let me start. I was as sick as a dog this last week for the first time since the start of the pandemic. It was not COVID. Rather, it was some random cold incubating in the environs of our youth, which made its home in my son and thence to me. I am not being original when I say that being sick is no fun. The good news is that I survived and am almost fully back to par. And as an aside, since then, I mean, that was, I was sick for a while. It took a while to get over that. And I do feel better now. Since I could not work, I decided to take some time to round up and archive the writings I posted over the last 18 years, some 200 plus, plus articles of varying lengths and varying quality. It was a good time to do it because normally I would be tempted to read and edit the articles. After all, writing is never really done, but I was not in a mental state to think about 
uh, reviewing and editing, and that was be, that'd be too much. Um, I did not want to edit them. I kept back into editing something that's 20 years old. So I just copied each article from the web page to a Microsoft Word document, documenting the date, title, and site location, and saved it off. One reason for doing that, by the way, was that uh, they're all on the, on the cloud, right, in different places. And I didn't like the fact that any time, you know, Google can, or whoever it was can stop Blogger and all that stuff goes away. So I wanted to have a way to just have my own library of what I've written. So as I was doing this, I came across my favorite poem, Song of the Queen Bee by E.B. White. I excerpted the poem back in February. I was considering a couple of different things to write about this week, and one of these things was artificial intelligence. I thought back to this poem, which was written at the dawn of the atomic age. I have lived under the cloud of potential annihilation from atomic incineration my entire life. I was two years old during the Cuban Missile Crisis and four years old when the DAISY ad came out, which, by the way, the DAISY ad was an ad put out by uh, the Johnson campaign, basically saying if you vote for, for uh, Goldwater, here comes the bomb. I mean, it was, it was uh, it's, it, you have to see that ad. It's, it's linked in the newsletter. Uh, when the Daisy when the Daisy ad came out in 22, when Prince released 1999, and, Nin, and Nina released 99 Left Balloons, both of which have a reference to nuclear war. The bomb was always there. Somehow, I came across this poem written by one of my favorite writers about a young and lively queen bee who will not be tamed by man's meddlesome ways. Ways that are, quote, alarmingly suicidal, unquote. I come back to this poem like I come back to the third man or Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It is perfect. The poem was published in the December 15, 1945 edition of the New Yorker magazine, published a mere four months after we dropped the atom bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and two weeks before the birth of the first baby boomer. I can just imagine E.B. White coming across the quote at the top of the poem and thinking to myself, my God, can't they leave anything alone? The poem is a celebration of youth and love and untamed passion and exuberant femininity in the face of man's, and I mean man's, obsessive patriarchal need to control every goddamn thing on his way to killing us all. It is a scathing indictment of man's hubris, the same hubris we are seeing now coming out of Silicon Valley bro culture in the form of unbridled and irresponsible artificial intelligence, AI that falls in love with its users and suggests they commit suicide, that lies to us and confidently invents facts, charmingly called hallucinations by the AI boys, Bro culture has invented the ultimate mansplainer, the ultimate plagiarist who can't create on its own but steals from real artists and then lies about how it doesn't download photographs but just digests them with some algorithms. Hubris that thinks it's a damn fine idea to have AI machines fly, fly jets armed with missiles. Now, I am not anti-artificial intelligence. I am anti-hubris and anti-foolishness. 
We were foolish in the years directly after World War II when we had atomic test-watching parties allowing us to bask in the literal fallout of the Nevada above-ground nuclear tests. I have a major news magazine from 1953 showing on its cover how we could win a nuclear war against Russia by bombarding them with a cannonade of atomic shells. The military ran war games with soldiers rushing into just nuked desert areas, condemning these soldiers to die from radiation poisoning. We managed to pull back from the purely insane use of atomic energy. I am hoping that we can avoid the purely insane use of artificial intelligence technologies. I love this lovely queen bee telling the men, quote, you have no idea what you are talking about. Why would you ever want to tame me? Not that you could, unquote. And at this point, I actually have the poem. So bear with me. I'm going to do what I can do to make uh, do justice <laughs> to this poem. It starts as one does in the New Yorker back in the day and sometimes today with a quote. And from the quote, they kind of riff an article out. In this case, it was this poem. The breeding of the bee, says a United States Department of Agriculture bulletin on artificial insemination, has always been handicapped by the fact that the queen mates in the air with whatever drone she encounters. When the air is wine and the wind is free, and the morning sits on the lovely lea, and sunlight ripples on every tree, then love and air is the thing for me. I'm a bee. I'm a ravishing, frolicking, young queen bee. That's me. I wish to state that I think it's great. Oh, it's simply rare in the upper air. It's the place to pair with a bee. Let old geneticists plot and plan their stuffy people to a man. Let gossips whisper behind their fan. Oh, she does. Buzz, buzz, buzz. My nuptial flight is sheer delight. I'm a giddy girl who likes to swirl, to fly and soar and fly some more. I'm a bee. And I wish to state that I'll always mate with whatever drone I encounter. There's a kind of a wild and glad elation in the natural way of insemination. Who thinks that love is a handicap, is a fuddy-dud and a common sap? For I am a queen and I am a bee. I am devil-may-care and I'm fancy-free. The test tube doesn't appeal to me, not me. I'm a bee. And I'm here to state that I'll always mate with whatever drone I encounter. Let mares and cows, by calculating, improve themselves with loveless mating. Let groundlings breed in the modern fashion. I'll stick to the air and the grand old passion. I may be small and I'm just a bee, but I won't have science improving me, not me. I'm a bee. On a day that's fair and a wind that's free, any old drone is a lad for me. I have no flair for love modern. It's far too studied, far too stern. I'm just a bee. I'm wild. I'm free. That's me. I can't afford to be too choosy. In every queen there's a touch of floozy. And it's simply rare in the upper air. And I wish to state that I'll always mate with whatever drone I encounter. Man is a fool for the latest movement. He broods and broods on race improvement. What boots it to improve a bee if it means the end of ecstasy? He ought to be there on a day that's fair. Oh, it's simply rare for a bee. 
Man so wise he is growing foolish. Some of his schemes are downright ghoulish. He owns a bomb that'll end creation, and he wants to change the sex relation. He thinks that love is a handicap. He's a fuddy dud. He's a simple sap. Man is a meddler. Man's a boob. He looks for love in the depths of a tube. His restless mind is forever ranging. He thinks he's advancing as long as he's changing. He cracks the atom. He racks his skull. Man is meddlesome. Man is dull. Man is busy instead of idle. Man is alarmingly suicidal. Me, I'm a bee. I am a bee and I simply love it. I am a bee and I'm darn glad of it. I'm a bee. I know about love. You go upstairs. You go above. You do not pause to dine or sup. The sky won't wait. It's a long trip up. You rise. You soar. You take the blue. It's you and me, kid. Me and you. It's everything. It's the nearest drone. It's never a thing that you find alone. I'm a bee. I'm free. If any old farmer can keep and hive me, then any old drone may catch and wive me. I'm sorry for the creatures who cannot pair on a gorgeous day in the upper air. I'm sorry for cows who have to boast of affairs they've had by parcel post. I'm sorry for man with his plots and guile, his test tube manner, his test tube smile. I'll multiply and I'll increase, as I always have, by mere caprice. For I am a queen, and I am a bee. I'm devil may care, and I'm fancy free. Love and air is a thing for me. Oh, it's simply rare in the beautiful air. And I wish to state that I'll always mate with whatever drone I encounter. And that's by E.B. White. The poem was published December 15, 1945, in the New Yorker magazine, and is copyrighted by them. I could not just type the poem into this editor. No, the Substack editor loves to strip out all the leading spaces and tabs that give the poem its visual charm. So I battled with Microsoft Word to get the formatting right. Word, of course, had its own hubris. The hubris of doing spell and grammar checking of E.B. White's work, for God's sake. I mean, the man was co-author of Strunk and White's The Elements of Style. In other words, if he does it, it's right. <laughs> it's the end of the day. I am a technologist, but I often shake my head at technology. And uh, thank you. That's the end of the thing. And I really thank you for listening to the podcast and for reading Things to Realize. Uh, if you love it, if you like it, if you hate it, whatever, you know, share it out um, and let people know about it and subscribe if you haven't already and like it. And but you can go on to the Substack um site or or uh, the Substack, Substack app and not just see my work but the works of a lot of friends of mine a lot of really great writers around Substack and there's comments and notes and things like that I've been really happy with Substack um, as a platform for this it makes things like doing this podcast much easier than it would have been otherwise um, same with the newsletter you know it, it sort of handles all the mechanical parts that uh, go along with doing writing and doing visual work. I think there's a video piece to this as well. Um, it handles when I decide to make you guys pay for this stuff. Uh, it handles all that kind of thing from a professional point of view, from the ability to do focus on the work and not the process. It's a much, it's a great tool for that. Uh, a few of my friends are already, so you guys out there have already been using Substack. Um, 
it's a good platform. It's a really good platform. And uh, anyway, so and therefore it makes it easier for you to subscribe and to share and to comment and to, you know, let me know what you think about it and like it and things like that. And so this is, again, the Things to Realize podcast. Uh, I am responsible for everything in it. I, if there's a role that is done to create something like this, I'm the one doing it, uh, except for where Substack does the mechanics behind it. But I write it. I'm doing the narration. Um, I'm doing the recording, all that stuff, the editing. If, if there's any editing issues, I'm sure there are. That's me. And I really appreciate you guys listening. And please share, subscribe, like and admire and comment thanks again ciao and now for an outtake because that little uh narration i made of the poem that was not one cut my friends so uh here's a quick little outtake that uh, it was just kind of hard to get through some of these lines i thought i'll leave on this as well i have no flair for love modern it's far too studied, far too stern. I'm just a bee. I'm wild. I'm free. That's me. I can't afford to be too choosy in every... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. I'm going to leave that in. Uh, I may edit it later. We'll see what happens, but let's see what happens.